You're listening to episode 263 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So I've been thinking about the newest Disney franchise, and I can't believe that this hasn't been cracked yet. Let me know what you guys think. Right. So it's a franchise of everyone's forgotten but beloved cardboard cutouts what i gotta so, i gotta tell you a, did i just stroke out there for a second because i don't a, understand a fucking word you just said to me it's a whole film franchise about cardboard cutouts mm, they'll love it it's a multi-million dollar you know the cardboard cutouts you have like in your house no multi-million no. billion dollars i think this is like a multi-dollar idea <laughs> billion dollars i don't know sean that feels pretty generous if we're shark tanking this thing based on this elevator pitch i'm a pass like i i don't i feel like kale owes I'm me gonna, money I'm gonna, for my time right now i'm gonna go out on a limb and speak for bob Iger over at dc or disney i'm gonna say no i think bob and i are gonna have to pass <laughs> all right marco look uh-huh I'm telling you, I'm still here. I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Multi-billion. <laughs> and listen, you can get a cardboard cutout mm. of literally anybody you want. Richard Madden, Kit Harrington, oh, the I comedian see. guy from uh, that just got ripped. Oh, uh, Kamal. Yeah, him. This is, a, this is just a terrible joke. Here, here's what this I think, terrible. Kale. Here's what I think. Okay, counter offer. Okay, we we remove any kind of. Uh, like thickness to the cardboard. So it's actually paper. Stick it on the wall. becomes from billion to trillion cost effectiveness. Here's, mm, see, here's the thing though. Paper, it's got too much character. All right, Sean, real quick. Uh, can you okay. and I real quick aggregate our review of this intro to the comics, pals? Because I think right now it's sitting at about a wait, 48% wait, 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 for me. Wait, wait, I made, really? a paper, I made a paper joke specifically so I can get to this. So that I can say, Kale, much like the concept, no, much like paper, your concept is flimsy. You can't turn wow. it around and try to be on the right side <laughs> wow. of this now, no, Marco. You engaged I set it up for that. All, first of all, Pete, to your point, I'm going to go out on a limb and give this a 0.0 <laughs> as a bit. Zero, um, out of star. Zero stars out of 10. <laughs> yes. And then number two, my uh, my idea that I want to add on to this is that we shut the fuck up about this and do the show. See, okay. Now, <laughs> on my end of the Shark Tank, I've got to shut that down. I don't think... I don't think that'll work. Right. So anyway, where's the multi-dollars in that? You know, I have a sneaking suspicion that as soon as you leave the show, the multi-dollars will start raining down on us. And, and <laughs> wouldn't that be a harsh lesson? <laughs> <laughs> we found the funny. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today on this episode of the Comics Pals. We've got quite a bit to talk about, although, you know, anytime a movie comes out, it kind of sucks all the air out of the room. Eternals dropped this week. We do have a review of that out for you guys now. If you want to hear our thoughts on Marvel's latest film, uh, as Kale teased, uh, that whole huh? weird concept was a way of saying that he thinks that the characters in the movie were cardboard. Um, <laughs> movie came out this week. Uh huh. Thanks for drawing me we, a map to that punchline, Sean. Jesus Christ! You're you're very welcome, and I hope that that was helpful to the listeners. Don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen anything. 
we are also going to be talking about the new Morbius trailer that we probably all got surprised by at the theaters. Um, I didn't expect to see that. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Feige's just crying somewhere. <laughs> like, damn, how the hell did Jared Leto get in a movie with the Marvel uh, moniker on it? Like, damn it. Talk um, about cardboard. No. <laughs> We got to talk about how the supply chain is affecting even the great Marvel comics. Talk about paper and image has united. We'll explain that later. Uh, I do want to let you guys know how you can support the show. If you guys want to uh, help us out, make sure you're leaving us to follow a rating and a review wherever it is that you listen to us. YouTube.com slash the comics pals. Subscribe to our channel for interviews from New York Comic Con. Subscribe so that you are made aware of when we drop all of our content, including our weekly reviews Wednesday for everything image Thursday for everything else. This week, you can expect us to be talking about righteous thirst for vengeance. Number two. And uh, we what's the furthest place from here? Sorry, it's a very long name. I feel like the names of comics are getting longer and longer and longer in the indie space. Got to entice them somehow. I, we've like hit that period uh, that was like in the early 2000s when there was all those emo songs that were like full sentences long. Oh, like God. the first uh, song on that on Cork Tree by Fallout Boy is yeah. uh, Our Lawyer Made Us Change the Name of This Song So We Wouldn't Get Sued. It's the same so, same energy with these with these indie books. <laughs> yeah. I panic at the disco. Uh, <laughs> Thursday. We have no idea what we're going to be reading because the supply chain is such that who knows what books will be on the stands. Uh, but check it out anyways. Of course, listen to our review of Eternals and our book club on Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr.'s Eternals. All of that stuff is a lot of fun, and we hope you check it out. Let's get into the one bit of listener mail that we have this week from someone who did listen to our review of Inferno number two. Pete, take it away. This one comes from Bergtown Music Group, uh, who wrote in and said, Excellent commentary. Issue two gave me the same vibes that Moira is working on or has already developed a cure. In all her lives, Destiny is the only character she hasn't joined forces with. And why wouldn't she have up to up to this point? The black hole theory is incredible. This would be Hickman not necessarily tying up the Fallon X plot, uh, which I want to see resolved, but injecting the main ideas behind Life 6 into the current story 100%. Wow. Can you say that word one more time? <laughs> what, I, Fallon X? Fa wow. Fallon X? What? Phalanx? Phalanx. Oh, Phalanx. Okay. I No, legitimately, like, <laughs> you made a... a pretty reasonably comprehensible word out of that phalanx yeah that's like that i don't know i think that sounds like i'm putting like uh fantasy reading in it right like that yeah. sounds like something in like fucking dungeons and dragons or, or like dragon medicine age or, something. or something yeah yeah that could be a medicine <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right <laughs> yeah. clears out phlegm to, have to go check out my my uh my pills i might be on that <laughs> if you're suffering from rectal itch, Phalanax, Phalanax oh. will help. What do you know? <laughs> Not effects, cure, but help. <laughs> death, cancer, sadness, and rectal itching. And rectal itch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks a lot, uh, Bergtown, for writing in. Um, issue two of Inferno was tremendous. 
those things that he references uh like the cure idea and the black hole theory those are things that we discussed on that episode it was really a deep dive um i know that when we used to do the reviews on the main show we would get a lot of people writing in about um you know enjoying that aspect of the show if you are unaware that we do them now separately uh go check it out we did a a deep dive into the inferno number two um and it was a great time uh there's two more to come can't wait to dive into those this issue was phenomenal uh kale are you keeping abreast of what's happening in inferno or no um i want to be i have not had the chance to read number two yet mm. but you read number one yeah yeah what'd you love think? number one okay. we talked about it when it, after it came out you and i i think it was the week one of the weeks you and i did the show uh um, oh. loved it loved it i'm here wait no 100 the first inferno review was just me and sean i, I think the, he means like week, the, the main show yeah. oh okay i got yeah. you i got you yeah, I was um, like, I was definitely on that. <laughs> <laughs> I reviewed Inferno, sir, and you did not. Um, yeah, no, thanks a lot. I appreciate you uh, writing in, and and uh, I hope you continue to listen to our reviews. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing them. Yeah, thanks for writing. In. Yeah, uh, let's let's. I, I have a question for you guys. Great. Would you okay. say? Uh, Oh, so, Sean, would you say that it's time then, I guess, for the random question of the week? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that. Um, Not that you're leaving the show, just that, you know, one day that won't be, you know, a thing. And I'll think back to the days where Pete used to do the random question of the week and say that. And I might call you and say, hey, man, I have a question for you. Just to get you to do it. I just need you to scream at me over the phone for a second. <laughs> yeah. I love I love like I'm picturing myself as like an old man. I like take my fucking yep. teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly the image I had in my mind. Um <laughs> teeth and all. <laughs> so Gail Simone is the tweet master she's very good at getting people riled up and you know answering whatever crazy questions she throws out on twitter uh and this week she asked one that i thought was fun enough that i wanted to appropriate it and kind of make a version of it for the show this week so her question was okay if you can't mention the joker or harley quinn who are your three favorite Batman villains? Any era, any medium, just your three faves. Hashtag three best bad guys. That's a great question, but I wanted to do it a little bit differently here. So my question for you guys is you have to, you are given the keys to the next Batman movie. You have to make it. Now you can do whatever you want. Right. You can it can be any type of era. You can put it in. You can slot it in between like Batman 89 and returns if you want to. Whatever you want to do. I want to know what villains maximum two you would use and what the general idea of the story would be. That's a question that's going to take probably some time. So I will answer and that will allow you guys some time to think so. The Dark Knight Rises, right? 
got it. Oh, I have a great one. Okay, sorry. The Dark Knight Rises ends with um, Robin or whatever, whatever his name is, Blake, finding the Batcave. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, okay, so he's going to be Batman now. And that's that's the impression you're, you're left with. So my idea has always been uh, what would his first, what would his year one as Batman look like? So the villains that I chose are Black Mask and mm-hmm. Mad Hatter. And the Mad idea, Hatter. yeah, I love Mad Hatter. I think yeah. totally underutilized. The idea is that there is a, a power struggle in the criminal underworld post the revelation that Jim Gordon and Batman had faked, you know, everything to protect Harvey and all that good stuff. It kind of undoes a lot of the good that they did. And now there's a power struggle and black mask is emerging as the victor. And it's causing obviously a lot of death and chaos. And that's what everyone is focused on. But meanwhile, there are children who are orphans that are going missing and no one knows why but black mask and all the crime is sucking all the air out of the room so no one's paying attention to that and because this version of batman is also an orphan but more of an orphan in the sense that he didn't have a millionaire or you know a multi-million dollar family and a butler to take care of him he's particularly concerned with this issue so he has to fight against black mask and all of that crime but at the same time stop mad hatter who is stealing these children for his own purposes he wants to build a perfect wonderland but he's doing it you know to protect the children but he's actually mind controlling them and all the creepy shit that he does so that would be that would be my idea for a a batman movie that's cool I, i have kind of a similar idea in terms of like two villains playing off of each other so um, two of the characters that came to mind for me as being some of my favorites are the Riddler and Scarecrow. Um, and I, I talked recently, I forget what we were talking about with Batman, but I was saying that I, I feel like um, Scarecrow sometimes feels underutilized, but it's also like probably a good thing because it's kind of like a one note bit, which is mm-hmm. why I kind of want to use him as a catalyst to present a different villain in uh, very different, like two different kinds of lights. And I think it would be like a cool way to kind of juxtapose uh, juxtapose it, right? Where like, I kind of want to have it be not necessarily like an old Batman, but this is a Batman who's like in his prime. He's been doing this for a long time. He already has a relationship with most of his rogues. So like Edward Nigma is somebody who he's dealt with, you know, and done and dusted a few times over. So when he shows up, he thinks of him as more of a nuisance than as like a real threat. And I want it to kind of start with Batman being like, you know, uh, he's stressed out for some reason, right? Like he's on edge and he kind of like goes to town on Riddler in a way that he might not have if he wasn't stretched so thin and like, you know, on edge already. And then he gets gassed by Scarecrow and then is going through this whole like the normal beats of how he would have gone through dealing with Riddler, but like on the fear toxin and being able to kind of like have this juxtaposition of like, you know, the audience is seeing him as kind of what we think of as like the more like, you know, not necessarily like goofy campy, but like kind of like the way he's presented in like the Arkham games where it's like, not that he's like a fucking, you know, like nobody, but that like, 
he's more interested in the game than in actually doing anything that's like super super sinister but that like the fear toxin will make him seem super sinister and like will put batman in this sense of like you know um kind of like unease against played against him and like you know maybe like edward nigma now has like a bit of an axe to grind because batman really fucked him up you know and like now he's now like the game is personal in a way that it wasn't before I like that kind of like um <clears throat> Batman has to solve these riddles while he's uh, ravaged by the fear toxin. That could be fun to watch. Yeah, and like just like him not knowing what's real and what's not, and you know, I, I feel like that would be like a fun, um, a fun way to play those two characters' strengths off of one another, and not really have to have Scarecrow be a main character. Kel, I want you to go last because um, you seem really excited yeah. about yours. So it'll be a good way to close. Marco, why don't you go? Um, I really like Victor's ass. And oh, God, I was hoping someone would say it because that was my first idea and I pivoted to something cooler. God, I love Victor's ass. He's <laughs> he's super cool. And I, I like uh, you threw me off with the two villains because I was trying to figure out like how I could. You don't have to. Um, Max Tuville. He said up like to Max two. Oh, oh yeah. up to okay. Well, then I mean that that's probably like like uh, a more on the ground detective work. Like he's chasing a serial killer, very uh, very much like um, uh, like Seven or something. Yeah. You know that oh, kind of like style. R rated nice. like Batman detective movie about yeah. him t- tracking Zaz would be fucking awesome. Like that's that's what I want and. Uh, him just going around the city, him and um, which I'm gonna call it, uh, Gordon already have like a good working relationship, so he's working with the police pretty closely, almost make it like procedural and um, that kind of a situation. Uh, I started thinking of that because Sean, I actually started watching The Wire. Hey, um, it's, yes, it's been phenomenal. I'm just like, damn, let me get some like wild ass shit like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that'd be the perfect movie, like Victor Zaz, super uh, detective focused. And he's just trying to solve a murder. Multiple murders. Yeah, I like it. Make this an HBO Max series. Let's fucking yeah, go. Dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So mine isn't a Batman movie. All right. Uh, on to the next bit. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a battle for the cow uh, situation. Oh. Bruce Wayne is dead. My villains are Hardak. Uh, from the animated series, the supercomputer. Wow. And Azrael. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so what I want is a full is the full ensemble cast of the Bat family. You know, uh roughly how it was when Batman died in, in Morrison's uh in Morrison's run. <clears throat> But no one knows Bruce has died because uh, Hardak has created a Batman that has replaced him. Uh, so he's running around doing all the, the Batman stuff. Meanwhile, Azrael also doing Batman stuff, but edgier. He's got that hard edge to him. He's, uh, he's breaking people. He's bringing bringing them close to death. Yeah, extra sharp batterings. The family has to figure it out and split up 
to take on both Hardak and uh, Azrael so that the true Batman, obviously Dick Grayson, can rise. Nice. I think Thanks. I think you put Azrael in the Jason Todd role for uh, Battle Battle for the Cow, where he just kind of comes out of nowhere and Dick has to uh, fight him. I think Azrael's cool. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, think I agree. People really like him, but yeah, I just Azrael in general, he's neat though. He's really cool. Good design. Yeah, and just like especially later versions. I don't know if this was present in the original because I haven't read that, but later versions where he's like this religious crusader. It was in the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that. It's awesome. Uh, I just Googled Azrael and found out that he's the angel of death. So I yes. guess, yeah, it must've had, had some of that in the original, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't pick a name like Azrael with no religious uh, intention, I guess. That's how, that's how Bruce beats him. Actually. He's like, listen, if you were the chosen one, why am I still standing here? And he like wakes up or whatever. Mm. Huh. Write in and let us know which of our pitches you want to see made into a movie. And maybe DC will make the movie. Uh, and if you have a pitch of your own that you want to share with us, of course, write in. You can get us at the comics at gmail.com or the comment section of wherever it is that you're listening to us or on social media <laughs> at the comics pals. Lots of ways to interact with your boys. Yeah. Let's jump into the pals pulls. Let's start with uh, Pete's cho choosing a uh, static number four. Uh, okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, but I'm also sending you a picture of Azriel's second costume because it's so terrible. Yeah, that's <laughs> Look rough. Look at his fucking Ooh. hair. What do you mean? Oh, man. He looks like, <laughs> he looks like a Hanson brother. <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> That's not great. It's a dope ass costume. I don't. Sean, I need it. you to share that with the folks while I talk about static. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can't share, brother. Oh, wait. Who's the host? You? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, he's not. I think it's, it's, it's you, Kale. Oh. oh, it's not me. It's Marco? It's somebody. I don't know. Anyway, uh, static. Static number four. Static has been uh, a really fun ride. I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, okay, here we go. Hold on. Incredible. Oh my god! Incredible. I don't wow. hate it. The hair's right? a little different, it's but so like, bad. listen, it was it was the early nineties. Like, what's what's the problem? That it was the early. 90s. <laughs> that it was the early nineties. That was the problem. Nightwing's hair was way worse than this. It just doesn't even make any sense. It just like, it, it looks plastered on is the thing, right? Like it doesn't look like it fits on his body. Like if you took if you took an action figure apart, his hair would come off in just one piece. Yes, right. exactly. That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like somebody had an Azrael action figure and took the hair off of like a Barbie doll or a Thor and popped it on. Yeah, not, anyway, not the best. Uh, geez, Louise. So static. I've really enjoyed Static Season 1 so far. Um, I, like, you know, I, I've said before, like, I, I had a, I've had a real connection to the character when I was a kid, and I feel like this series is doing a good job of kind of, like, reestablishing a status quo. It feels like it has a really good rhythm um, so far, and, like, each issue has, you know, done something to either teach us a little bit about Virgil or this version of, of Dakota and kind of, like... 
end on like a nice cliffhanger where like there's a reason to pick up the next issue. It feels very classic. You know, like it feels like a very classic um, teen superhero run, you know? Um, mm. And I think for that alone, I'm appreciating it. But also, you know, like shout out to the art. The art is really great. Uh, we had an interview with Nicholas Draper Ivy. Sean got to talk to him at New York Comic Con. Um, and, whoa, someone's knocking on my door. Um, but yeah, it it's awesome. And I, I think if you're a fan of Static and you have been wanting to see the character come back and you haven't checked this this book out yet, um, it's, a, it's a fun time. You know, it's it's a good ride. It is. But what I don't like about it is that I can never find these damn issues in stores. It's so annoying. <laughs> Selling out. You yeah. wouldn't have to worry about that if you're a digital. That's right. You don't even yeah. got to pay for it. But then I wouldn't have the coolest shit covers in my hands. Like, what the hell's the point of getting a variant cover if you can't hold it? If you can't, like. Oh, I don't invest, get variant covers. Investing exactly. in your future. That's something that saving, I get annoyed saving by. Money. Uh, I mean, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are we going to sit here and act as if comic books digitally aren't expensive? Oh, that's not. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Comic so, books are are expensive. Variants so are difference? more expensive. No, no, no. Most of the time, variant covers are the same price. It's the incentive covers that are more expensive. Mm-hmm. And I never buy those mm-hmm. unless they have Jean Grey mm-hmm. or Joker, Emma Frost. Or um tigra. or uh not tigra not tigra I don't cheat cheetah. on cheetah uh cheetah's the only <laughs> um <laughs> the oh excuse only... me I got the wrong cat girl <laughs> yeah they're very different of course you got to get it right um and my heart has never been more broken than Wonder Woman 1984 when they did my girl bad they did her really bad um rip yeah that was uh that was a sad time indeed. Uh, okay, so uh, for me, I don't know if this is actually going to come out. I have no clue <laughs> uh, because of the supply chain, but I chose Venom number one. Let's go. Yeah, this is going to be cool as shit. Uh, at least I think so. Rom V writing Venom. That's that's absolutely insane. How How is that book working? Is he and Al Ewing are doing it is that right yeah so they've talked about how they're gonna split the load and i don't really remember what they said quite frankly <laughs> yeah okay um the al ewing part is cool i think the reason if i remember correctly the reason why al ewing is like really a part of this is because he's kind of like the master controller of all things cosmic, cosmic. um and so I think they're kind of working together on the plot. And then Rom V is the actual scripter. Yeah. Um, but I could be I, I could be wrong about that. But that part is awesome. Brian Hitch is great. I know that some people feel like he's old hat already. I don't. So I'm I'm really hyped for this. I think this is gonna be great. So wild to think that Venom is now considered a cosmic character. And yes, I was just thinking that. Yeah, because like, you know, I, I um I was I was like Googling the relaunch of um of Guardians of the Galaxy recently because uh, I was playing the video game and I just wanted to like look something up. And I was like, fuck, Venom was a, was an original member of this team. <laughs> like, that's so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> they've you know they've tried to expand their cosmic lore a lot and venom is a character that people really love who legitimately does have a, a, a you know a cosmic sort of origin sure um, right like it, it doesn't not make sense it's just fucking yeah. weird you know like yeah. you never think at least i don't ever think of venom that way first you know right um certainly i don't either but i think that you know they've they've done a good job they've done an admirable job of making that stuff make sense yeah it's it's a far cry from when bendis was writing the mighty avengers and they had that first arc where it was just symbiotes raining down from space mm-hmm. and stuff that <laughs> shit was rough um anyway I know this book will come out, or at least I'm pretty sure it will. So, you know, uh, Batman, the imposter number two, uh, read the first one, thought it was pretty good. Uh, Matson Tomlin is the writer of the new the Batman movie that's coming out. So I was very curious to see how he would handle the character in a comic. And um, I think he did a really good job. Uh, and then Andrea Sorrentino's art was fantastic. Um, this is not a little a three issue, right? I'm not sure how long it is. I think it's I remember. I, I feel like I remember it being short. That wouldn't surprise me terribly, um, but I thought it was real good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and so I'm I'm interested in the next one. Marco chose Eternals number seven. This is a new arc. Uh, if you want to hop on now, you definitely can. Actually, I was just looking through Comixology, and then the first volume is all on Comixology Unlimited, so you can just pick it up and oh, then shit. jump right in on this one. Fair. And man, Eternals has been hot fire. Um, Sad Ribich is back, Kieran Gillen on on the script, and really, really interesting stuff. The twist in issue six was. Uh, really fucking cool and i'm i'm excited to see how they pivot in this kind of like new understanding of what the eternals are and what they do and mm. so that's been really interesting um yeah good stuff if if, if you want to jump on and you've been hearing good things this is the exact time to do it is uh is Sadra beach still on the book mm-hmm. yeah he's in the arts yeah it was just like the three or so odd issues that were like in between that Kieran was working with other people, and then he's back on this one with um, Assad. The three Jesus or so Christ. issues of this seven-issue book. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Of uh, like from issue six, there were three other issues that like in between this and seven that came out that were just exploring the universe. They had like oh. a celestial book and like a Cersei book and like other stuff. Huh. Okay. So like six point whatever. Uh, yeah, it was like Eternals, and then a subtitle. Um, I'm surprised that he's still on the book, that he's actually starting a new arc. Right. That's shocking. Uh, but good. I'm glad been, I thought his art was great. Great, great art. One of my favorites of all time. Uh, you also chose memo number five. Yeah, this is a boombox book. And some of these boombox books have been like sleeper hits. And this is one that I've been having a lot of fun with. It's uh, an island that needs help from this young witch to free itself from um, like the spillage of magic that's going on. And uh, it's super wholesome. The two friends are like building a relationship at the same time that all this stuff is going around on their on their island. 
And yeah, it's a cute book. The art style is great. Sass Millage, uh, who's writing and drawing, has a really soft style. Um, pretty, uh, looks pretty cartoony, which is um, for me a fun, a fun aesthetic. And um, it's just uh, really well written. A lot of fun. Definitely would recommend it. And uh, it's a boombox. So like if you have kids, this is totally uh, a great book for them. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. You know what else is for kids? Tricks. Vampires who suck the blood out of people and uh, kill them. That's what <laughs> Sony oh, is yeah. putting out as their next uh, comic book based property upcoming with uh, with Morbius. Morbius, everyone's favorite living vampire. Mm-hmm. We got our second trailer uh, here during the week. And uh, what's that face, Kale? We've had a first one? Yeah. Okay. It was like yeah, a Here tease, we go. I'm sharing right? it now. It was a legitimate trailer. Mm. I guess I remember it was a- being short. This one felt way more like, I don't know. This This felt like a proper trailer here. Oh, my gosh. Technically, this is the third time we've seen uh, stuff from this movie because there was a teaser. Okay, before, so maybe that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I didn't even see the second one then. Yeah, this this is this is a weird one. I mean, so the movie is basically suggesting that Michael Morbius was this you know great scientist who has this disability and he wants to fix it um, and and hopefully you know also fix the world you know fix a lot of people <clears throat> with disabilities through his science and involvement with bats. And somehow that turns him into a vampire. Basically. I think, I think that's Morbius's story. Yes. The weird part okay. is that in the comics, he's, you know, I, I guess, I guess you could call him an anti-hero, but at first it's not quite like that. So I'm intrigued by how they're going to like, how he's going to go from like, is there going to be a point at which he is a villain at all? How are they going to play that? They kind of allude to that in like, there there's like a bit at the end here that we'll see in a minute where I remember it's like, Oh, the line between villain and hero is whatever is right. thin or whatever. So like, I don't know, like maybe he'll kill somebody by accident or something like that. Or I don't know if you guys saw Oscorp, the Oscorp building. Oh no, um, I missed that. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll slide back here a little bit. Uh, maybe I went back too far, but anyway, yeah. Um, continue. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I it feels like they're gonna do what they did. There it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a blink and you miss it moment. Yeah, I saw it, it that there. time. Um, yeah. I I feel like it'll probably be similar to what they did with Venom where it's like a truncation of that process, right? Where it's like the the struggle that he goes through as Morbius will be, you know, uh, the first bit of the movie and then he'll find redemption because a woman loves him and really he's oh, a good guy, guy and uh, I'm kind of a hero. You know, it's, right. it's going to be that kind of bullshit, I think. <laughs> that kind of bullshit. Why is Tyrese in this movie? I love Tyrese, but oh, that's, that's so it. random. All right. Uh, Spider-Man on the wall there uh, with oh, murder yeah. written over him. <gasps> Spider-Man's point- a murderer? I pointed this out in the original trailer, but if Boy, you look what? at that Spider-Man, that's very clearly Toby. the yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man. So what? 
Yeah. Is it? Um, yeah. Spider-Man Force Affirm. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at the eyes. You, well, look at the raised webbing and on his. It's silver. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not sure, based on the original trilogy, who he would be considered to have murdered. Uh, that's a little weird. I mean, I, I, I would bet we're going to, you know, find all that out with. Oh, Spider. Uh, uh, Spider-verse. Yeah, Spider-Verse yeah. or whatever the fuck. We just saw Michael Keaton. Obviously, that's yeah. old hat. Everybody knows Second he was fucking the time first trailer. Yeah, but... we've seen that. Yeah. He name drops Venom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, who are you? Someone says to, to Morbius, and he says, I'm Venom. Just kidding. He's like, just kidding. I yeah. wonder if um, they're just like sort of blurring the line with the, the Spider-Man films and like all of this, like it is in the, the same universe, but it, you know, it's not. That's the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> Like they're going to find that it is that. Yeah. That we're ramping up to that. Yeah. Yeah. That either they are in the same universe and like, they're just like Disney is like, whatever, fuck it. Um, <laughs> or that it's going to be like what Kale said, where they're, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. They're in the same universe. Totally. So in, in this, this first half of the trailer, do you guys know that, um, I don't know. I guess it would be an early example of a, an early, early example of a meme. But in like a, uh, there's like a a singer or something who who's like he's singing, he's going at, it, he's going at, it, he gets tired and he kind of falls to his knees and he, you know, he's 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 going, but he's oh, he's so tired. And somebody puts a coat over his shoulders and he uh, gets yeah. up and he throws it off. That's what that's what that feels like to me. <laughs> the way Mor- Morbius is <laughs> walking around. Hilarious. Um, so my thought on this is that this movie doesn't look bad. I don't think it looks bad. I don't think that it looks like shit or anything, but I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what it is. Maybe it's because Morbius is such a secondary character. Maybe Did you see not that even too? Sean, it says Far from, from the studio that brought you Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm like, you yeah, motherfuckers. Yeah. Well, that's be- well, that's because they did. Like, <laughs> yeah, they- I know, but it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, they they love it. They love to uh, play with people's thoughts on, you know, who made these movies for real. Yeah. But um, is this canon? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, right. I, I feel like I'm right there with you, Sean. It, it's like I have no connection to this character. So even seeing him or like the concept of it doesn't excite me necessarily. Like, I know him from the show and was it Felicity, Felicia, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Felicia. That's but that's like my only connection with it. And that's from a show that's 30 years old at this point. He was in and, Maximum Carnage, Marco. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. you're right. What a missed opportunity, um, huh? <laughs> and like, man, I don't know. This is this is fine. This is this feels like you know, like when you get the the big boom of westerns in um in like the the 60s, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you start getting like 10 years, 15 years down the line, like those really cheesy spinoffs of it that look like they're well made, but they're still kind of just cheesy spinoffs of an original concept um that's it, baby that's what we're in it's yeah. funny that you say that because i feel like we there have always been comic book movies like this like the the 2000s i think especially the the, the mid 2000s are more associated with bad comic book movies than good ones yeah we were littered yeah. with this kind of movie yeah but i think this is sort of a 
a new level of like reaching for that secondary character. Sorry, I just, uh, cut the. That's fine. I'll switch this back. That you know that that C D list character and trying to make something good and meaty out of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. It's interesting because like I I think you're right, Sean. That like this this kind of movie is not necessarily something new. But I think like we had such a uh, gold like a golden period, right? Where it was like that wasn't what they were, and it's like we're in a new era of like there's a, a raised bar for the quality of what we expect from yeah. a comic book movie, right? Mm. Um, or at least I think that's like the perception, you know. Um, so I guess like seeing this kind of movie again like i don't know there's like a bit of that like oh yeah like this really has like daredevil 2004 vibes <laughs> like <laughs> like, it, like is it blade. is it is it that vibe or is it no blade like great all right blade is amazing <laughs> i wasn't saying that as a pejorative at all no okay <laughs> <laughs> i no, i fuck with blade all day blade, the blade you, trilogy is fucking great yeah are no, you I'm talking here for it. about the visuals or the, the like the feel of it then <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm with Marco. I, I think what I what I what I'm getting at is is just that we've reached a point of sort of saturation, and I don't say that with you know a, a negative connotation. I, just that now we're kind of starting to have to splinter out and figure out where to go next, mm. and stuff is going to be hit or miss, but it's gonna you know it's gonna have potentially a slightly lesser quality because nobody's sure if they want to take the chance. Marco, I know you were in the middle of a sentence. Go ahead and I'll, I'll comment. Um, it feels just like there's this, there's an attempt to capture the sort of good parts that came out of the, the MCU, the, the quality outliers to Kale's point that you, know, you try to make that C D list character and, and bring them up. And I think that this is that attempt, but it feels like it hasn't, it feels like it's drawing its lesson from the success of a Venom, which granted works. Mm. Um, and the era of the early 2000s, but I feel like for this kind of a movie, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's appealing to me as it was for Venom. I think for this Morbius movie, I would need, a differentiator like uh, Joker or Logan in in mm, in like, like a quality perspective. Like there's there's like the early two thousands Venom era, the MCU stuff, and then there are those outliers that are like auteur driven or some shit. And I think that there needs to be some like for me that would appeal me more for a Mo- Morbius movie than it would this sort of approach for Morbius. You need a dark and gritty vampire movie. I mean something a little different. What you're saying is that you want you want a Morbius movie if it's good. Yeah, well, basically. No, because right? like no, no, because I mean, like Ven- like Venom, I'll say is good, but that's like a stylistic approach to making a superhero movie. I, I I'm saying that's that stylistic approach I think is present here, and I don't like it for this character and for my interests. Got you. Well, it feels as though we are denying or ignoring the reality of Fox's X Men movies for the last. 20 years that have been very average, painfully average, uh, and a host of comic book movies that, you know, we, the DC movies, for example, you know, um, there oh, yeah. are so many bad comic book movies that come out just like anything else. So I, I don't know that, I don't know that there's anything uniquely 
different about Morbius or or this time that we're in. I think you know Marvel movies uh, dominate the conversation because they're so good, but we've always had crappy movies. That's true. I guess the point, like to build on the point that Marco made, like I I, I guess the fact that we're at a point where. Um, <laughs> Where it's like, what are the what are the like superhero movies that we're talking about right now, right? Like, uh, like on this week of the show, a Morbius, the Living Vampire movie, and then we had an Eternals review. It's like, damn, all right, we are getting, we're getting even, deep. We're pulling motherfuckers way deep off the bench now. Even worse, next they've announced next Halloween they're doing a Werewolf by Night special. Right? Yeah, Marvel, Marvel's uh, putting that out. Wait, what? Yeah. Or is that not is that not out yet? No, that's not out yet. And next is, next Halloween, yeah. they announced it for next Halloween. Is that a superhero? Well, it's a werewolf book. Oh, okay. From Marvel, yeah. I don't know what that. I guess was reasonably famous back in the day. Uh, did I? I hadn't seen that trailer yet. Uh, does uh, uh, Jared Leto have a stupid accent, or is he Jared Leto? <laughs> He's Jared Leto, I think. Can't remember what he sounds like in the trailer. Would, would that would that movie. make a difference, Kale? It's, it's tough to say. <laughs> well, January twenty eighth. If you intend on seeing it, let's stop really. talking about this and talk about this werewolf shit. Like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> pivot from vampires to werewolves. I that's like where it. It's at. <laughs> what about we pivot from vampires and werewolves to panthers? Where Panther? Whoa! All right, no, let's go. You're thinking outside the box. <laughs> Black Panthers. Oh, okay. Fact. Yeah, That's uh, so we've cool. got some unfortunate news to report about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, the sequel to uh, 2018's Black Panther movie, where unfortunately it appears that Letitia Wright has suffered an injury on set that is causing them to have to shut down production. But was it COVID? So, <laughs> no. Uh, according to the report, it's not COVID. The Hollywood Reporter put the news out on Friday and suggests that the injury occurred in August. Oh, wow. I was going to yeah. say, I feel like I remember um, them talking about this earlier. So, yeah, I, I kind of do, too. So she got injured in August and left to go to London right after that. And they've basically been shooting scenes, every scene they can possibly shoot without Shuri. And now they've kind of reached the point where there's nothing more that they can film. Uh, and so they kind of need Letitia Wright back on set. Got it. This is a weird situation. So Angela Bassett did an interview earlier in the year where she said she had a little bit of a fall, but it's not too bad. You know, anything like that will shake you up. But she's just a little slight, little petite thing. She's fine and will be ready to go. That was from September. Yeah, it's not what now. kind of injury did she sustain that is so bad that she's been gone since August? A fall yeah. is what it sounds like. She, she fell. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like if if you, if you get a bad enough break, like you could you could be on the mend for several weeks. That's not totally crazy. Did she break something? Maybe, yeah, or, or like some kind of strain or something like that. Yeah, even worse if it's a, a muscle problem like that those tend to you know take even more time yeah if you if, like the first thing i always think of i associate with the fall is like actually with stunts is usually like a back issue like mm. falling on your back and hitting or getting some sort of whiplash 
the other I guess the other thing is like if you want to you know read into um, <clears throat> Angela Bassett's comments at all like she said she had a little bit of a fall but it's not too bad you know anything like that will shake you up right uh, but she's fine and ready to go maybe it's like mental like maybe she like got she took a fall and it like got scared and is like trying to work through that or something going back to an earlier article about this it says Wright sustained minor injuries while filming a stunt. The minor incident involved a stunt rig and she was hospitalized, but she's fine. Okay. Now, why would a minor injury, which of course, maybe they're downplaying it, but if everyone is saying it was a minor injury, why? And by the way, she was released from the hospital and able to go to London after this right so whatever it was it wasn't bad enough that she couldn't travel and she was released from the hospital so what is the reason that she is not back by november i have thoughts because leticia Wright, right now is everybody's problematic fave she's a covid that she's a covid denier she does not believe what in, yeah she you don't remember believe, that yeah no yes yeah, big time. absolutely and I I don't want to attribute something to her that's unfair. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. This is what I think I recall, but I could be wrong, that she had some things to say about trans people that were not. I have um, uh, I've got a thing here. It says on YouTube, it's a uh, f- sorry from Wikipedia. It says uh, December 2020. She received backlash over a video she publicly shared on Twitter in which the speaker questioned the safety of safety of taking a COVID-19 vaccine in addition to quote, appearing skeptical of climate change, accusing China of spreading COVID-19 and making transphobic comments. Right. Um, Sweet. And then. Yeah, and then she said she clarified that she wasn't against the vaccines, but that it was important to ask questions. Um, and then she said, my intention was not to hurt anyone. My only intention was p- of posting the video was it raised my concerns with what the vaccine contains and what we are putting in our bodies. So she's against it. Right. Um, and, yeah. And there was a report not too long ago that suggested that while on set, she had been saying a lot of things about the vaccine and about COVID that, you know, were similar to what Pete just discussed. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I'm bringing all that up is that I don't think the only reason she's not on set is her injury. Very similarly. Have you guys noticed Chris Pratt taking all these voice acting roles? Yeah. yeah. Rumors, rumors are going around because he's an anti-vaxxer. He, he doesn't have no it as way. well. Yeah. Is he really? Because he's he's uh, a big uh, you know evangelical Christian and Chris you know, Pratt. Yeah, big yeah. Alt, I know big he's a uh, big alt right guy. I didn't hear that he was. Whoa, um, whoa, was he? A, no, whoa, I don't. I don't. I think heavy. you're. I think he, you're reaching. It, okay, shut up. He follows a bunch of alt right people. So okay, uh, you know what his views are. There is I up for debate. I guess, but. Uh, yeah, he uh, follows a ton of uh, all right people, so not a huge reach. Gotta okay, be just careful. important to offer context before you just yes. make claims like that. Okay, well, I was working on it. So, wow, crazy that uh, he's taking all these voice acting roles because he murdered that person, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, Marco. Oh, Don't sorry. reach. Oh, Don't reach, nice. Marco. Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking that there might be something 
COVID related in terms of maybe she's not vaccinated. Um, although I think if she wasn't vaccinated, that would have become a problem sooner than August. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. This is just speculation on my part. But the the the, the meat of what I want to discuss as it relates to Letitia Wright is that, you know, listen, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that she's the next Black Panther. That's what the movie's about, right? So how can the next Black Panther be a person who is all of the things we just discussed? Right. Who has all these views, right? Posting videos like that. that, That's not great. And Disney can't get a handle on her. You think they're going to recast? See, and they've been so against the recasting thing. It, it's it's a very very difficult problem. Right. I I don't know how you get out of this. I I really don't. I do think it's different though to recast her because of a conflict versus not wanting to recast like Chadwick Boseman because he died. Yeah. yeah no. I mean, just generally, okay. they don't. They're not keen on recasting people. Like yeah. they'd rather get rid of a character than than bring someone else. I on. see what you're saying. Get rid of her then. She's a nice black panther. I don't, I don't know. Just roadie it. Like fuck it. Right? Like yeah. we all accepted that. We all we all accepted Mark Ruffalo replacing uh Ed Norton. Like, I don't see like if 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 they don't want to work with her anymore, if she's like, you know, like a you know, like you said, like she's you know, problematic, uh then like yeah, fuck it, right? Like people there's get over no it. there's no positive conversation about this movie at all. Every time that uh, Wakanda Forever is in the headlines, it's about her and about her views. So that's rough. And I don't I'm not saying that to say I think that that's going to like affect the box office or anything else. I think the only thing that will affect the box office in a negative is Chadwick Boseman not being in the movie. Yeah. But to your point, Pete, when you're talking about the next movie or if she joins the Avengers or whatever, can you keep her? a part of this a, a part of this franchise. I'm not so sure. Yeah, like maybe you can, but I think like to your point um Sean, right? Like the fact that uh, that she did that, I think speaks to the fact that they probably feel like they can't trust her, right? Right. Cuz uh yeah, cuz like pull it back to the the Chris Pratt thing, right? Like his uh like he's not sharing videos like that, right? So, like, he has plausible deniability for any of the things that you could attribute to him being uh, problematic, right? Like, in having these conservative views that don't line up with most people in Hollywood, right? Mm. Um, Yeah, he's at least quiet about it. Right, exactly. Mostly, yeah. Um, Whereas, like, you know, Letitia Wright shared, like, a conspiracy video that had a bunch of bigoted shit in it right like that's like very off-brand for disney especially as you know disney it has been especially over the last year or so like actively um changing a lot of their like corporate policy and language Mm -hmm. and like what merch they sell and everything to be more lgbtq uh ia plus uh friendly right and like to have the person who is you know ideally going to be the star of one of your biggest franchises right the last movie made a billion dollars at the box office you don't want that person right you don't want somebody who's gonna come out on twitter and share some crazy shit or say something you know bigoted or whatever or 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 even just like create a hostile environment on the set 
right? Like if that's your star and like nobody gets along with them, that's not good. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not good. And it's so I don't know, like it just hurts so much that, you know, you see how Chadwick Boseman was like an anchor and a rock for that set and that crew and those you know, that cast. I've never heard anyone say a thing about him that wasn't not only just positive, but like exceptionally positive, you know? <laughs> right. And, and and I'm not even saying like, oh, you can't have different points of view or you can't question things or whatever. I'm saying that the person who is the Black Panther, right, in my mind, because of the standard that Chadwick Boseman set has to be an especially great human being forward facing. He, they have to be yeah. someone that's a leader that inspires people. And I don't know what you're inspiring when you're talking about when you're sharing conspiracy videos about all this stuff like that's not a good look. And by the way, she's a woman. So what that means is there's a lot of girls that are going to look up to her. Sure, could be a Disney princess, you know, that that's not great. That's not great. So I'm bummed by this. Yeah, it's disappointing. Disappointing to hear. Um you know, especially like you said, it's it's already like a, a shit awful situation with just like how this movie is is forced to, you know, uh, proceed in general. Yeah. So it's like to have this as kind of like a black cloud over it is just like just feels shitty. Um, yeah. Think, think about the implications for the the Mario movie, you know, like to think there was an Italian plumber in Dallas waiting for. JFK I don't even want to talk here. about that right now, okay? Right? Like, well, we couldn't have got we couldn't have got an Italian to voice Mario, our greatest Italian American icon. Was Letitia right in Mario? Am yes. I missing something? No, I Marco, I don't, Marco drew a really, really, really thin line. Chris Pratt, those two things. I'm not even like on the same stratosphere as Mario. He's like right five now. minutes ago. No. We talked about Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Is this joke still funny? <laughs> and by the way, for anyone listening, like we're not, we're not like trying to not talk about how chris pratt is whatever he might be no not at all just just, found this out. is about this is about leticia right and i'm sure that after guardians 3 marvel's gonna deal with chris pratt in their own way um might not even take that long might not yeah i don't know anything could um, happen even though if i'm remembering correctly he had a there was something that went on with him and the the rest of the cast kind of rallied support when James Gunn uh oh oh, oh, oh around him yeah rally support I, around him uh yeah, yeah some some <laughs> the uh Twitter did its thing and was like like collectively uh said that Chris Pratt was officially the worst one right for no real reason. And he and the rest of the Avengers got butthurt about it. And, no, Chris Pratt's actually a really good guy. He's one of the nicest guys. And like, it, it was nothing. <laughs> like, Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, hopefully that movie will come out in November as intended, November 11th. Although with the way that things are getting delayed, who knows? It, it's already been delayed a couple of times. So we'll see. What's also delayed is several of marvel's biggest comics all comic books <laughs> yeah the, the comics are delayed um so this week marvel announced many delays including some of our personal favorites um the inferno books 
The rest of the run, three and four, are delayed. Uh, there will be no Inferno in November. Fuck. Inferno number three was supposed to come out the 24th, but now it's coming out in December, December 8th, to be exact. Inferno four was supposed to come out on the 29th of December, but now it is pushed back to next year. Wow. Yeah. January oh, 5th. My God. Okay. Yep. Hear me out. Maybe there's a silver lining here. Hmm. Maybe if all these delays happen and we get through on the other side, the creators on the X book who didn't want to go with Hickman's vision, maybe they'll be ready. <laughs> and then Hickman can come back and be like, all right, let's finish this. Dude, I'm praying for any solution to that problem. Yeah. Like, I would do anything. I would pay anything. I would subscribe to whatever Substack I need to. <laughs> yeah. I need them to finish this properly, but it's not going to happen. Uh, thankfully, Inferno is so good that occasionally I forget that this is the end. Um, also significant, well, I shouldn't say significantly delayed, but you know, a couple of weeks is the X lives and X deaths of Wolverine mm. that, that the yeah. first, the first, uh, few issues of that are, are delayed as well. So, um, X lives number one is delayed to the second of February. It's been delayed twice. If this article is correct. Um, it, it actually, no, I think the, the article suggesting that issue one and two of each were delayed, but they didn't say that they said issue one of each, they said issue one was delayed from the fifth to the 19th. And then also from the 19th to the, the second. second of February. So I'm going to go out on a limb and assume they mean issue two. So X lives yeah. <laughs> and deaths are both delayed one and two by a week each. Uh, it's unfortunate, but we will have to wait a little bit longer for um, the continuation of the X-Men saga. This this uh, supply chain thing is nuts. Yeah, uh, it's weird that comics are back and then now they're now just they're not. <laughs> yeah. And then now they're just like oddly some of them are sometimes not going to give a week. <clears throat> it's a little weird. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a it's a problem. Like this is like a not unique to comics thing, um, mm -hmm. but obviously for comics, it's pretty fucking bad because just the yeah, way the that the product is released is like sh it's constant shipments, right? So like yeah. one a few things being behind means fucking everything is going to be behind to some degree, you know? Um, it's not the same as like a book getting delayed, right? Like it's like just the whole system is breaking down. Um which is fucking terrible. Um, but like I said, you see it everywhere. Like I, you can't, at least in Philly right now, I, you can't go to a place and not have a sign where there's like some, Oh, certain products may not be available right now. Right. Like things like that, like random stuff too. Right. Like I'll see a whole row of like Coke, but like no diet Cokes or like, oh, hey, there's all of this flavor of monster energy drink, but none of this one. It's just like, why? Lord fucking knows. Shit is shit is wacky right now. I'm a huge lover of vitamin water, a very particular flavor, and it's just impossible to find. And it's I'm sure it's due to the supply chain problems. And 
you know, we know that comics are the, the, they're not that important in the grand scheme of things. Like there's a lot bigger things that are delayed, but this is a comic book podcast. And I'm going to tell you what, if you were looking forward to, you know, stuffing the stockings of someone you love with a massive omnibus that certainly will not fit in the stocking, uh, that's going to be a lot harder to do because so many of the bigger, you know, Omnibuy and things like that, that Marvel and DC produced, the absolute editions are delayed into next year. Yep. Um, and I would imagine that's due to the massive page count mm-hmm. of things like that. There's just no paper, right? Yeah. And I mean, like, it's, uh, you're seeing this with like, uh, like vinyl is a big thing right now. Like Amazon mm-hmm. jumped, in, jumped into vinyl and there's like a worldwide vinyl shortage now. Um, oh, no. What? Where like bands have vinyl, like, on like indie bands, right? Um, oh, like current stuff. Shit's like being pushed back to front time front. <laughs> yeah, well, if we wanted to make a vi- well, I actually saw a thing literally the other day where like if my band wanted to print vinyl right now, like the traditional way, um, we wouldn't be able to get it until like 2023. Wow, holy shit. Which is fucked. Good thing then that you guys did that promotion when you did. Yeah, if you got one, it's like, hey, like <laughs> you're on lock now. Are- <laughs> yep. should have got one i hate being poor uh let's talk about something positive in comics that's a negative kills poorness notwithstanding um <laughs> swamp thing is getting a second season hell let's yeah go marco yep. before you uh explode in your pants i'm not talking about the show i'm talking about the comic book i, I want to say when i saw the show notes i thought it was the tv show and i yeah. opened the article and i saw it was the book and i was like oh yes i'm this is better <laughs> <laughs> yeah unfortunately marco already knew because of, he found out on the wednesday review show That's right uh, but i i wanted that effect i wanted that to happen well but. you got me <laughs> awesome. i i came i came ready for it this is a swamp thing uh, hey. oh shit <laughs> I did not realize. That's a great great jumper. (laughs) It's actually the video game. uh, And he has a Santa hat on because Christmas came early. Wait, he has a hat in the video game? No, no, no. He just has a hat on in this. That would be such a weirdly specific choice to be like, yeah, the Swamp Thing video game. It's set during Christmas. (laughs) And by the way, what video game are you talking about? The uh, NES game? NES? Super Nintendo? I think it was Super Nintendo. (laughs) Gonna have to see about playing that because I've never heard of it before in my life. Yeah, it's terrible. I am going to have to emulate that game. NES and um, Game Boy. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, NES. Yeah, NES. It's not good. Probably, probably whatever you can imagine a Swamp, swamp Thing game being, uh, it's better. It's got a 35% on game rankings. So, hey, pretty good. Two stars for the NES version from allgame.com. <laughs> well, the Swamp Thing gets five stars from us pretty much every single week and uh, five out of five, obviously, duh. And we were all bummed that it was going to end, presumably with issue 10, and we weren't quite sure if it would get a second season. Of course, quality-wise, it deserved it, but you know, sales-wise, what do we know? Uh, as it turns out, it's doing well enough to get a season two, but it's not going to be a new number one. Instead, they uh, have decided to extend the current run from 10 issues to 16. So the second season, at least as it stands right now, will be only six issues, which is a bit unfortunate. And I'm not clear on why that decision was made on the Wednesday show. We discussed the fact that 
the marketing aspect of this is not too tremendous. Um, if you look at all your Swamp Thing books, they all say X of 10, right? Mm-hmm. And now um, they're just going to go into 11. So uh, after after 10. 11 of 10? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Like, why not just call it season two, number one? Right. And that's that's kind of what we were questioning. If if the goal is to generate sales, yeah. right? And you'll you'll relaunch anything else, right? Like why you'll, like, you'll do this actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't and, and that and that is why the seasonal branding of DC's books has fallen apart. Now it's just now it doesn't mean anything. What does it mean that you're giving it a season two if it's just issue eleven through sixteen? How is that a different season of the book? And like if they had decided like here, here would be my thing. I would be fine with this if they were like, hey, we are so into this book and Rom and Mike have said that they have and Mike, um, ha- they have a vision for this book that goes for, you know, 50 plus issues. So it's just a, it's just an ongoing now. And that's it then I'd be like, all right, cool, great. Like, that makes sense to me. But to be like, this is season two, but it's 11 through 16, and it's shorter, it's like, what the fuck? Why? Like, why is this the format choice? It's just, that just feels like bad marketing. It's like the spring season of a television show. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, after we, the winter break. we meet you already in progress, you know? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> reduced episode order. Hey, man, you know what? At the end of the day, more Swamp Thing is always a good thing. Yeah. Like, for sure, I'm, for sure. Happy. This is good news. It's just baffling news. Yeah, but give me, give me more of this shit. This is, this is good stuff, man. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to consume this. The other, the other thing that's a little funky about this is that after issue ten, which will presumably come out um, uh, next month, they're just gonna take a break until March. So well deserved. Okay, if it was a new number one, that makes a lot of sense. Again, right out, you say, (laughs) hey, it's season two, number one in March. You say, hey, issue 11 of that book you forgot about is coming out. (laughs) Remember, remember, you know, is that a good jumping on point? We don't know. So I just I just think it's a little strange. Also, how is the supply issue going to hurt that? Hopefully at that point it's resolved, but. Let's be real. Will it? Yeah. Could be worse, unfortunately. Yeah, five months from now, it's hard to say. Um, Yeah, you know, I I feel bad um, that we're taking this tenor because, like, this is great news. We, like you said, we love this book. Like, we've, you know, um, loved pretty much every issue of it. Uh, And, you know, like, it's a book we've continued to sing the praises of. I'm super glad that it's going to get an extension. I feel like there's a lot more you can do with this book and this character. Um, so I'm super stoked for that. You know, all of the weird marketing choices aside. Um, and it's like, I'm with Marco. Like, cool. It's cool that they're taking a break. Like, I, I'm, I'm good with all of that. There's no part of this announcement other than the fact that they're not just calling this season two and making a nice clean break entry point, right? Like, because then you have a few months, you collect it, you market it, you get, oh, you missed season one here buy it it's cheaper now get the collected edition jump mm-hmm. on in march like it's it just seems so clear 
that they that the fact that they aren't doing that just feels like I like like who's making uh, these choices? Yeah, pretty on brand for DC. To be it honest. is, but that's frustrating as hell. It's like it's just it's like <laughs> what Sean has talked about with a lot of these things, where it's just like the season thing. This means nothing now. Black Label means nothing now because it's just random. They're just doing stuff, and it's like. All I'm asking for is a little consistency, right? Like, uh, that's, I feel like the most important thing in, like, branding is just, like, names should mean things, right? When you say, like, I should be able to tell you, oh, a season one, that's what this means, right? Like, it'll be 10 issues, and then if it's successful, there'll be another 10 issues, right? It should be a formula that we can expect and repeat, <laughs> So that you don't have to have this conversation with me as a consumer. Okay, well, season two, it'll be out in March, but it's actually only six issues this time. It's going to be 11 to 16. Why? We didn't need a press release for this. Like, if it was just, oh, season two's renewed, we'd, we'd know what that means. And we'd be like, great. We should fucking get Pete hired on as the, the brand guy for DC. Yeah, hit me up. <laughs> pay me minimum wage i'll kick i'll fucking get the shit in gear let's go <laughs> oh they'll pay you minimum wage <laughs> they're cool with that yeah they're good with that part <laughs> yeah yep um yeah of course this is a great this is great news congrats to rom mike and mike well deserved for sure um it's a tremendous book and and we review it every every single issue and we highly highly recommend you check you check it out if you have not done so um just from a a marketing standpoint this is weird um yeah i couldn't recommend that book more highly yeah yep um i've if you're gonna if you want to make me happy this holiday season my birthday's coming up you know buy buy these all physical i'm just throwing this out there i'm not you know asking of anybody for this but i'm just you know just saying it's coming up i wouldn't mind all 10 issues in a physical some sort of physical construct you know, I'm putting a my wishes physical to the universe. construct <sighs> okay, i'm convinced so marco's a fucking bot that's a Eyes. fact the evergreen remember the boat that got stuck the evergreen wow it stopped Swamp thing. What the hell are you talking about? Supply chains. Okay. All right. So in our main topic, we're going to be talking about Image Comics United to form a union and uh, cause the comics industry to explode in celebration and confusion <laughs> and anger, which sounds about right for any given week of the industry. So we're going to break that all down. Explain what it means that the workers of Image are forming a union, who that includes and who it doesn't, and uh, what we think about it. So, again, this week we learned that the staffers of Image Comics formed a union called Comic Book Workers United. When this initial announcement was made it caused the internet as it relates to comics to explode what yeah yeah uh and i think were there any survivors <laughs> us so that was a good joke 10 out of 10 for that one marco <laughs> um i think that we can all agree that at first 
most people misunderstood what this meant. Um, there was a great amount of people who thought that this, that the announcement of the, of the, of image comics of an image comics union meant that all people who work in any capacity under the banner of image comics would be included in this. And that my friends is not the case. Mm -hmm. This announcement, this union only extends to the on payroll employees of image comics. And it's important to understand what that means. Creators who put out books through image comics are not employees of image comics. They're more like, uh, independent contractors. Right. And that means that they are not actually eligible for the same kinds of benefits in some cases, and also the ability to unionize under this banner um, because they're not actually employees of image um, in that direct way. So a lot of people misunderstood what that initially meant and were really excited that, you know, creators like Chip Zdarsky uh, and uh, Rick Remender and, you know, people like that at Brubaker would have, you know, this this union and, oh, my God, this is going to revolutionize the industry. And maybe it will, but it won't be in that way. So just wanted to get that out there and, and, and make it very clear. That being said, I want to read the initial um, sort of statement from the uh, communications are, are from the, the Image Comics Union. Uh, so this is what it says. We, the workers of Image Comics, have formed a union. We are represented by the Communications Workers of America. For years, comics publishing workers have watched our professional efforts support creators and delight readers. Sadly, we have also watched the same labor be taken for granted at best and exploited at worst. Keeping our heads above water was the new normal before the pandemic, and since its onset, we have been expected to take on even larger workloads with fewer resources. Our workforce and the comic book and publishing industry as a whole is overtaxed and undervalued. This is detrimental not only to the general staff, but also to the creators we are paid to serve and the audiences they in turn work to entertain. Our labor is integral to the comic book industry. It requires specialized skills, dedication, and make and makes quality publishing possible. We love what we do, but loving what you do doesn't mean you can't or shouldn't ask for improvements to your working conditions. It is with this in mind and with great hope for the future of Image Comics and the comic book industry itself that we announce our intent to form a union and request voluntary recognition. This should not be radical or revolutionary and is, in fact, a natural development for a company that started the way Image Comics did. In the early stages of organizing, we look to Image's founders for insp inspiration. Their dreams and of self-determination and more equitable treatment in the industry they loved and helped make successful are also our dreams. We are honored to grow their legacy by taking this step to give all comic book industry professionals, regardless of title, the same rights, guarantees, security, and protections which the founders sought when they broke away from the big two to start their own company. In fact, several months into our organizing efforts, Jim Valentino made a comment on social media celebrating union accomplishments. That was the moment we knew this could work. Despite years of union busting and anti-organization set sentiments in American workforce, we know that Image Comics has at its heart a desire to be first when it comes to doing the right thing for comics creators. 
That's why we know we will win because our success is the company's success. Our success is the creator's success. Our success is the reader's success. And then it is signed by all the people who are currently involved in this, which amounts to uh, 10, 11 staffers. 10, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that's the initial statement. Um, let's get initial comments from you guys just on the print, the idea, the premise of this, and then we'll dive into the story as it unfolds. Sure. So um, I, I, I still think even with the, the context that you presented there at the beginning, Sean, that this is, this is huge. This is like a huge deal. Um, I think that we are seeing uh, an, I shouldn't say unprecedented, but we're seeing a, I think 40 year high, uh, in in belief in unions and and seeing stronger unions be formed across a multitude of industries, we're seeing more and more general striking. We're seeing more workers um, getting back into the workforce after the pandemic, or not after I guess, but after quarantine, and seeking better uh, better working situation for themselves. You know, um, and and I think that that is every worker's right. And, you know, I I am very pro-union uh, because at the end of the day, like companies don't care about you. Um, they care about the bottom line. Right. Um, we talk about that all the time. We talked about that last week on the show. Um, and, you know, for folks who are integral to us getting our books, um, but are not necessarily like you know, um, names that you know, uh, having the ability to collectively bargain is something that is like essential, you know, for their ability to, um, to, to, you know, provide for themselves in a way that's fair for their, for their contributions, you know? And I think that, um, in general, I think that this is like a good step towards some of the things that, um, that we have talked about long-term in this on this show about how comic book uh, creators should unionize, right? It would have to be a different union um, because they, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe an extension, whatever, right? They do different kinds of work. Um, but I think that having this be a precedent set here and something that will like ideally pave the way for other professionals in the comic book industry to see how they can come together and, um, and, and, you know, use a union to leverage their rights collectively against the folks that uh, sign the checks um, is, I think, only a good thing, right? Like it, it does establish um, if this works, it does establish a pattern for others to follow, um, and that's generally how these things work, right? Being the first is always hard and it's always scary, um, but once it does work, like it's often a brick through the window. Kale, Marco, you guys want to jump in? Um, to Pete's second point, uh, or as last point on that, that's sort of where I was coming in at it from. You know, this is a stepping stone, a necessary stepping stone that can spill out for other, for potentially other uh, publishers. And if so, that be, starts to become an industry-wide thing. And if it becomes an industry-wide thing, then you know the the steps to then address creators as freelancers and and their status. Um, as as workers, that that conversation starts to develop more, and that can only be a positive thing, at least in my mind. 
and yeah initial initial takes from there this is this isn't anything radical or new and because of that i think that this all makes a lot of sense um and i'm i'm interested to see how negotiations go from here um just because you know as much as you can want these to be some of the terms to the uh of the union there's obviously the company itself has to recognize that and i think that's um I'm sure we'll get into that, but th that's that's the the piece that you know. After seeing this, was my first thought is like, okay, what does this mean in practice, and what are the conditions by which negotiations have to be made? Um, just because I, I maintain that you have as as an employee the right to negotiate rather than the the right to some sort of compensation, and that's just within the framework of the system that we work in. So I'm I'm interested on the negotiation and the terms and the conditions and like what is what does that look like and how how are those conversations gonna grow and develop. Kelly, you're muted. muted. <laughs> you're muted. I don't know shit about uh, unions or the way any of that works. Um, so I'm, oh, you know, I I I know they're a good thing. I know that the people in them, you know, have it really good. Um, but you know, that's the the most i know so i'm i'm really interested to see uh how this shakes out okay um so i'm gonna <clears throat> uh continue on with discussing how this all shook out because i i i will admit up front my knowledge of unions and how they work is not very uh high i don't i don't know yeah. much about all of that at all um but I have been learning through all of this to try to, you know, kind of figure out what it all means and what it could actually mean for the industry and, and, and things of that nature. So I guess um, what was expected or what was hoped was that image would recognize their union, uh, which is called uh, comic book workers United as legitimate that they would, that they would, uh, voluntarily recognize um, this union as, as a thing. And so I image um, <clears throat> image did put out a response to this, um, you know, this, this, this union, this union request or, or whatever you call it. <clears throat> um, and essentially they kind of said, all right, cool but we're not gonna we're not gonna recognize you um this is what they said earlier this week the communications workers of america the cwa filed a representation petition with the national labor relations board asking to hold a secret ballot election so that eligible members of the image comics office staff can determine if they want the cwa to represent them in their point in their employment with image the NLRB is currently reviewing that position to determine when that election will be held, where it will take place and who can vote. Everyone at Image is committed to working through this process, and we are confident that the resolution to these efforts will have positive long-term benefits. What I understand from that, and I could be wrong, but this is what I'm gathering, is that while there is this union that was created by the Image workers, there's also another union that is trying to represent them 
so in the original um, okay. statement, they said that uh, the one that you read before, Sean, right? They said we are represented by the communications workers of America. So right. um, that is, uh, it says huh. here, um, the largest communications and media labor union in the United States representing about 700,000 members in both the private and public sec- uh, sectors. And they also operate in Canada and Puerto Rico. Um, so they are essentially a, um, like they, they have contracts with a bunch of other organizations and are the, the manager of, of their like collective union. So like, um, another example that might be helpful to like illustrate how this, this works sometimes. Um, most people are familiar with like the screen actors guild. Right, which is the the actors union, um, that is uh, SAG-AFTRA now, and that is also the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. So those two unions merged, right? So like essentially, um, depending on what industry you're in, right? Like you either have you can either have a union like localized to your company or you can be represented by a larger union like there are like teachers unions and and like things like that that are developed uh and broken up by industry and like obviously the larger your union the more your collective bargaining power is within an industry right because if you have a workers union with just you and your other employees and you all walk out they can hire scabs right which is what is a pejorative for folks who will break union lines and come and work at while union workers are striking for better conditions. Whereas if you have a very large union, right? Like if, if say this uh, comic book workers union one day uh, made up was made up of every single person who has the specialized skills required to work in the comic book industry, then, you know, as that group gets larger, publishers have less power to exert over the workers. Right. Because the more folks that are in that union and saying, like, we won't break union lines. If I want to work in this industry, I'm going to be a member of the workers union. Then they have less ability to hire the kinds of folks they need to make their you know business run. And then they have to play ball with you. Yeah. And like like the representation piece is just the the fact that the the union is the Convict Workers United Union as represented by the CWA. So when they go right. into negotiations, the think of it as like they the CWA represent is is um, negotiating on behalf of this union within this sector. It is is the the concept. The CWA will come up to Image, will negotiate, will have the conversations as a representative of the fact of Comic Workers United. Because they are under that union. And it just basically makes it so that this very small group of 10 people doesn't need to, like, you know, do the legwork necessarily that would be required. Um, Because a lot of times, like, uh, there will be, like, a union representative, um, you know, who's, like, has a lot of responsibilities for maintaining the day to day, you know, Um, and, like, keeping people up in terms of like what their benefits are and all those things. And I would imagine that if you're working with like a, a larger group, like, you know, the communication workers um, of America that, you know, they're helping you out with some of those, those responsibilities and those tasks, right. And helping uh, enable you and your, your fellow workers to unionize. You got all that, Sean. Yes. <laughs> um, so 
it sounds like image is making it a situation by choosing not to recognize the union that they have to have a vote uh, in order to be recognized through the NLRB. Image Um, has to. No, the the uh, comic book workers United has to have a vote. Yeah, because they were not recognized. Right. Okay. <clears throat> um, right. So, like, if Image had just accepted this, then it would have been it would be done and dusted. Right. And so, Comic Book Workers United had a response to that, and they said, uh, as of this was actually yesterday for us, uh, the fifth of November. As of November, or as of five p.m. today, Image Comics has failed to formally acknowledge our request for voluntary recognition. We are interpreting that lack of formal response coupled with the Twitter post the company made indicating their intention to force us into a totally unnecessary election as a denial of our request. This is disappointing given that 10 of the 12 eligible staff members have already voted to form and publicly support our union, but we are strong on our principles and the pending election changes nothing. It is not too late for voluntary recognition to happen. We are asking our community of supporters to continue emailing, writing, and tweeting that Image Comics can still voluntarily recognize the CBWU. I think image is probably going to end up getting a little bit of a bad rap for not voluntarily recognizing the union. And it's hard for me, given my clear lack of, you know, um, knowledge about how unions work. It's difficult for me to understand why they would choose this route. Mm. Um, They being image. Yes. Yes. They being image. Um, I'm not I'm not clear on that. I mean, and I'll say this too, right? Like I am by no means an an expert on unions, right? Like I am a supporter of unions. I have many friends who are members of unions. So I know a bit. Um, So if I, you know, um, I don't, you know, uh, certainly not the authority on 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 the topic. But um, generally speaking, unions are bad for for the company owners because it gives workers more power, right? Whereas if all of the claims in the original statement that you read, Sean, uh, from Comic Book Workers United are true in terms of the fact that they feel as though um, essentially that they're not being properly compensated or that they're not receiving benefits that they should be receiving, right? That they that they're in a position where they feel like the status quo is that they are struggling to keep their heads above water and that they are being asked to do more work than is reasonable or that they're not getting proper resources or support from the top down. Um, th- those are the claims that they're, that they're making in their, their statement, right? So if those things are true, um, you have to ask the question of why is that the status quo at Image? Is that the status quo because Image you know, um, doesn't have the resources to give them more? Probably not. Um, Is it because the powers that be are unaware of the fact that their workers are under this amount of stress? Potentially, but that speaks to a a breakdown of human resources within image that they have bad corporate structure between the workers and people the people who make decisions that workers don't feel like they have a platform to express the things that they're going through in a safe way. Right. Um, or that image is aware that these people are being overworked and don't maybe have the resources that they should, but 
in the interest of cost and keeping, you know, things as, you know, lean as possible, they're not interested in hiring more workers where they maybe could. Well, here's a quote from an actual lawyer. Uh, Paul O'Brien is a comic book reviewer and a legit lawyer who said images statement says another union, the CWA, is already in the process of seeking recognition through the NLRB. I'm not clear of the status of that, but they make it sound like this is more a dispute about which union gets recognized. That's what I was trying to bring up earlier, that even though uh, the the Image Comics Union is represented by CWA, they're still two different unions because CBW, which is the, the Image Union, the Image Workers Union, they're a union. They're trying to be a union, but right. they're also trying to be represented or are represented by another union. So this person, Paul O'Brien, is suggesting that what Image is doing or saying by not immediately recognizing the union, by the union, I mean the Image Workers Union, they're trying to determine which of the unions they're going to be dealing with. That's what I'm gathering. Hmm. Yeah, and by denying it, the vote, the vote will be by by denying any immediate recognition, the vote will be okay. Which do you want to represent you? Right. Are you representing yourselves, or are you being represented by CWA. this larger entity? Sure. That's what I'm getting out of it. So if that's the case, if they're simply looking for clarification, then I don't think that there's any negative element of this on the on the on the part of image. I think that makes sense to me. And I don't know how long the voting process takes, you know, if they're dragging this out. I don't know. Yeah, um, I would I would agree with you. I don't I don't think that it that there's immediate cause for us to be like, fuck image like they're anti union or, or anything like that. Right. Like um, it depends on where things go from here. Right. right. Like the idea that they haven't formally acknowledged it and that they made this very corporate kind of <clears throat> response. I understand why the comic book workers union is disappointed by that, because, you know, um, theoretically, if image had responded to them and been like, hey, like, cool, let's enter negotiations. We wouldn't be here. Right. Um, but corporations don't really move and shake like that. Lawyers don't really move and shake like that. Um Folks are very, like, careful about that sort of thing. So, you know, there's every reason to believe that, you know, maybe the the they, the comic worker, workers union says that, right? It's not too late for voluntary recognition to happen. Well, that's just to get away from the headache of the vote, because at the end of the day, even when, once you have it, you're legally required to recognize anyway. So right. it's not, you know, it, it, it feels like a delayment up until they have clarity as to who is going to be who they're going to be negotiating with and i mean if i was a company and this kind of got like i don't assume it's getting sprung on them but i'd still want the extra time to get my you know affairs in order in order to negotiate come to the negotiating table ready sure and and by the way i think it's worth noting that when we're talking about image comics at this point we're talking about the lawyers of image comics right because they 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 have they have to get involved in a situation like this and they have to make decisions about how this kind of process can work and stuff like that so you know it's not necessarily like the people we think of as image 
who are making decisions here. They probably have the ability to say, screw all that. Let's just get to the process. But I can understand why they wouldn't necessarily make that decision and leave it to the lawyers. But I want to I want to go ahead, Pete. I was going to say, and and I also want to just be clear that I'm also not saying that they're definitely not doing those things. It just remains to be seen, right? Like yeah. the next steps are very important, I think, in terms of how image will be characterized in the aftermath of this, in my mind. Yeah. Uh, now, the Comic Book Workers United Union, which is the, the, the people who work at Image, they have a list of goals. They have nine goals. Um, that they have laid out what they hope to achieve through this. Um, the first one is a more competitive industry through salary and workload transparency. Um, they feel that everyone who works in the comics industry should know um, what everyone kind of works for in terms of finances and what they can expect. So, okay. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see how that will translate across companies well i think um, the goal is probably to have other publishers workers join their union long term sure because it's not called the image comics workers union right it's the comic book workers union so i would i would like when they say that that's their goal i would imagine that that's their long-term goal right okay um the second one is to improve staff morale through annual staff and management reviews to assess performance workload and whether there is a clear need to expand a department, craft a new role, increase compensation, blah, blah, blah. They don't okay. do that? <laughs> yeah. I read, That's like, fucked this, up. This is like fundamental to be able to just to be able to find people within the organization that can be moved on, can be accelerated, or frankly, who need to be fired because their performance doesn't live up to some expectation. Or, or so, addressing the so this is what i was talking about right where this is this speaks to a breakdown of human uh resources where there's not someone to have that conversation and be like hey how's your job going do you need more resources right like that's a thing that you should be doing every year or or like even like hey these people are struggling or we're seeing like a delay in uh, books coming out do we need to address that section that employee morale is low right now do we need to address that like (laughs) It says, so uh, what I'm getting is that there's 12 eligible staffers and 10 of them have, have already uh, agreed to this. So it's a super majority. Um, I'm not justifying the fact that there's no sort of system for the things listed in goal number two, but uh, it's easy for me to understand. Not that I agree with it, that with such a small amount of workers, they might be kind of laissez-faire about things like that. So yeah, that's, that's, I'm of two minds there. Um, Cause I'll share a little bit of my own like work history, right? Like I work for a small company. I work for like a small, like startup style uh, web company. Right. And we have like under 20 employees, I think. Um, and this was a significant problem at my job. Right. The highest level of job dissatisfaction that I had, I was at a point of being ready to leave the job to walk dogs. And I'm not joking um, because I was just the work situation was becoming untenable um, was because this exact thing didn't exist. Right. Um, 
and it's something that like our human resources uh, director like we had a conversation about it. I expressed all of these things and we had to overhaul the entire way that we were we were doing uh, performance reviews, but they were once a year, which was not enough because um, my department was growing exponentially over the course of like eight months. Right. Um, and all, out of nowhere, I had the work of what now, like literally I have like five people doing work that I was solely responsible for at one point. And there was no formal channel for me to express that and get help. Right. And like that was not justifiable at my company of 20 people. And I feel like at image, like where you have, you know, even if it's a small number of people, it's a big company. Right. In terms of how much it makes and what it does. Um, and again, I'm not right. You're not justifying it. I, this is a this is a thing that's problematic across multiple industries, companies, whatever. Um, and that's, I guess, the point. Right. That's why these workers need this ability to like have a place to um, go when they need to bargain for themselves. Right. And if the company isn't creating that, that space for them, this is what happens. Agreed. Um, The third one is transparency uh, in the cup within the company culture through monthly meetings, all hands meetings, um, so that everyone can understand what the goals are of the company and, you know, um, uh, you know, what the workloads are looking like and things like that. This is one For, of the things we did at my job afterwards. Oh, there you go. Yeah, this, <laughs> is, this is just like, I, I feel like a lot of these are what are basics for a company in in the sense that like they're not though is the problem and and uh, yeah and i think that that's like a realization that like going through this list is oh they haven't had these systems in place like whatever they they built the foundation of image comics on was not it to be not even corporate but organized in a way that was um beneficial to the workers um or organized for the workers it Mm -hmm. sort of like it, it feels like if these are the things that they need to address, then, um, you know, the the situation from an HR perspective must be like hectic and that people are not there. There's no um, there's no structure from a uh, from a workload perspective, responsibilities perspective. Everybody must be doing whatever they whatever they can or yep. whatever it just feels like it's disorganized yeah and like this is what happens with small companies like that don't have a lot of employees like they overwork them often right and like a lot of companies will squeeze as much as they can until you yelp right and like it i have a hard time imagining that these 10 folks have not expressed these concerns and had them fall on deaf ears right yeah. um because otherwise they probably wouldn't be at this point so um moving forward i want to skip skip ahead because i don't want to be on this too too long but uh number six the the continuation of remote work for any employee who requests it and the creation of a detailed policy outlining how the company provides reasonable accommodations and supplies for remote employees the pandemic has removed the necessity for the company to pay for a central office space utilities etc with employees in some cases now shouldering 100% of costs that should be shared by the employer. 
costs such as internet power furnishings and other other office supplies, computer hardware, and related maintenance costs to work from their own personal devices. The company must outline an equitable arrangement for sharing a reasonable percentage of those costs. That's completely- sounds a little weird to me. I think that's completely reasonable. No, like your internet, like come on, you you don't pay for your own. It's internet? required for your job. Yeah, but it's also required for you to what you're not going to go on Facebook outside of like, you know, you don't just get Wi-Fi. They're not asking to pay for their entirety of their Internet. It literally says the company must outline an equitable arrangement for sharing a reasonable percentage of those costs. That's a totally reasonable ask. But I don't think Internet is going to be like you you don't pay per the amount of Internet that you like the bandwidth that you use. You 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 pay a monthly fee to be able to access the Internet. No, but you do pay for higher access. Right. Like what you need to do your job at an effective level as a publisher is probably higher than what you need to just have one device that runs Netflix at your home. Like upload, download speeds, yeah. high res pictures. And not for nothing, you could live in a place with data caps. Like mm-hmm. it's not cut and dry. Like I think that's a reasonable expectation. Like you can, like if you work from home and you're self employed and you need uh, internet for your job, I'm pretty sure you can write that off you to can, some degree you can write it off as right like, so depending then on like, the if package the, you'll get and if stuff. the business can do that like that that seems reasonable and like again i don't think they should pay for the entirety of your internet bill but the idea that they should shoulder some of the cost of the burden of the stuff that you need to do your job i think is totally reasonable they'd be providing you with a computer and those things or whatever if you were going to the office every day why yeah, is it yeah, unreasonable yeah. for them to give you a laptop and you know pay shoulder some of the burden for what's required for you to set up and maintain a home office well that 100 percent. like if they're they're saving that money by not having the centralized location no right but like agreed there on like the hardware piece of it but i I don't there there are a few pieces here that i'm like ah i don't know are 100 percent like furnishings like a desk what why is that unreasonable why should you be responsible to buy a desk that you need for your job if, if you're working from a home office and that's part of the company's plan now, right? Like my job used to have a centralized location and we all went there and used whatever we needed, right? When I, uh, when people started going fully remote, I had a conversation with one of the people at my job. They're like, do you need anything? Like, do you need a webcam? Do you need a new monitor? Do you need a new, do you need any tech, right? And there's a conversation about that. And I don't think that it's like, you just get carte blanche to order whatever the fuck you want. But the idea that, you know, that there's a conversation to be had there, I think is reasonable. And hell, even if you want to argue that, well, then the company owns the desk, right? Like, okay, fine. Just give me the desk. Yeah. And then when you leave, you give it back. Reasonable. That's reasonable. Have the negotiation. I think, I think Pete, you are bringing your energy from your work to this conversation. Well, it's experience. Yes, but tone it down. (laughs) Itch. Um, so better overall product through the immediate addition of staff, particularly in production and marketing departments, our creators, retailers, and readers can expect white glove attention for all the books we publish books, which will go through the, the, which will go to press with fewer errors, fewer delays, and a more robust marketing presence due to a more strategic approach to staffing and reasonable proportion to the actual quantity of output we generate. 
Number eight, a long-term actionable plan to address the overall lack of diversity in both general staff and management. The authors, artists, and readers who bring comics to life have never been homogenous, and the stories we publish can only be improved by staffing our organization in a way that more accurately reflects the demographics of our creators or readership in the nation as a whole. Okay. Um, And then number nine, renewed commitment to company values through the addition of a collective voting option to immediately cancel publication of any title whose creators have been found to have engaged in abuse, sexual assault, racism, and xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, ableism, etc. Until such time as said creators have engaged in meaningful reparations toward affected persons. That one is slippery. Um, that one is really slippery. So, like, who would fall under that, right? Um, because Lord there have knows. been Brandon Graham. Well, what? Okay, so what constitutes sexual assault or abuse that Warren Ellis did, for example? Oh yeah, fair. Okay, right. So, like, you can be personally upset about that, right? But go ahead, Pete. I would, yeah, I would say in that in that uh, example, he probably wouldn't qualify. And there might yeah. there, people might disagree about that, but sure, right? I, it, yeah. So my point is like if that sometimes that can be open to interpretation, and then also sometimes that can be open to like not like he said she said kind of, mm-hmm. um, which I hate to say because I know how it sounds, but if so, my I guess my thought is like if. Someone accuses you of something like the Frank Gogol situation, Um, you know, a woman saying that he made racist comments towards her. Mm -hmm. He is saying he did not. Now, how do you say how do you get to the place where you say, "Okay, Frank, you're suspended until, you know, you apologize or meaningfully, you know, do something about this? Yeah. Like how I like I'm very uh i'm unclear about how that would work in in my mind i would imagine because it says here right um the addition of a collective voting option so i would imagine it would be like the comp you'd have a company-wide you have a conversation right you bring all the people who work at image together and have a dialogue about what happened and then you vote Right. And but in that example, like to the Warren Ellis piece, let's say you do have that personal feeling that he did something, even though it wasn't it, it wouldn't be classified as sexual assault, but you are still adamant and the vote goes through. How does how does that work? And there's a dissonance I mean, then, there of then the vote goes through. I mean, I think that's just it. Right. Like and that's that's, you know, like when it when when it comes down to it. Right. Like when. Uh, a creator or you know um or anybody i guess right anybody in the public eye is accused of doing something um we'll just say problematic right like and it's something that's that's worthy of conversation about like how do we how do we deal with this person in the public eye moving forward right um we as whatever group of we we're talking about right um have a dialogue about it and then people form opinions about how they feel about it, hot or cold. And that's that. Right. And I think if Mm. at the, at the end of the vote, the majority of the workers of image, right. Which at this point would be anybody who works at the company would ideally get a vote. um, Then that's that, right. Like that's, that's image as a, as a collective group of workers deciding 
what their values are and what books they want to publish or not publish. Um, and like, I would argue that like, you know, what happens then is that a, a Warren Ellis in this case goes and gets the book published somewhere else, you know? And like, that's, you know, I think neither, um, we're just using him as an example, right? Yeah, I think yeah. in the case of any book, I don't see that as like a moral or amoral action, right? Um, it's, that's, these workers wanting image to be able to like when you say you work at image comics that like you know the whole anybody who works there feels like they're getting a say in what happens right and how the company moves moving forward you know um whether or not you agree with that as something that should or shouldn't happen i think like mechanically i think it would just have to come down to that right it would be as simple as what they say they want to have a voting option a collective voting option to decide like how they proceed with people who are controversial um and i think if the majority agrees that somebody doesn't represent or they don't want them to represent image um then that's fair play right um i think it goes back to the conversation we had about um i forget the actress's name uh who plays sure right thank you um where it's like if Disney decides that that's not who they want to be Black Panther, then like that's that, right? And it, it doesn't even matter what you think about what she said. That's the company's decision. Um, it would just be in this case, the person who makes you know, that decision is collectively the organization, not mm. you know the decision makers who are like, well, the book will make money and it will get a you know whatever you know whatever bad press we get is not uh, enough to dissuade us from publishing the book because money. Um, well, the reason why I feel that those those are different things is that uh, in the case of Disney, they're making that decision morally to appease people who would be upset by her decision making and her stance. Like they're not going to lose money because Letitia Wright is in their movie. Um, and I think in the case of Image. They're probably not going to lose money if they publish a Warren Ellis comic or whatever. Um, no, they'll make money. Exactly. And so the idea that, um, you know, I, I, we're using Warren Ellis, uh, the idea that Warren Ellis's book would be immediately canceled and Image would have to lose that money because of what the staffers feel about a situation that unfolded in his personal life that wasn't, that actually doesn't fall within the classification of any of these things. That doesn't seem great to me. Well then remove him from the example. Cause that's the thing, right? Is like, if, if you don't feel like it falls under the category of that, that's, that's fine. Right? Like then that pro person probably wouldn't be affected. But I think if the majority of images staff feels that way, then like, you know, then, Oh, well, you know, Okay. Oh well, then I guess. Is, um, go ahead. Sorry, I just I I may, maybe I don't understand. Is is that point? Is that not um, sort of? I guess I guess I'm I'm trying to boil down what Pete said to to understand the the point. Is is that point? We want to be part of the conversation to have that vote. You know, in the example, uh, this news just came out about Warren Ellis. How do we feel about that? Oh, we none of us like that. Okay, let's vote about whether we're going to publish the next Warren Ellis book. 
Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, and I I think that's what I think that's what the ask is, right? Um, and and my attitude is if like the majority of the folks that work at a company feel a way about a thing, then that's probably the right thing for them to do. My other thought on this piece is just so Brandon Graham at some point, you know, he dealt with his own shit on like how he potentially grooms um, uh, trans women. Um, he chases them, and so had this come out while he was finishing his run on profit, which I thoroughly enjoy. And you know, the, I'm not, I'm not saying this to make a judgment call, but I'm just saying like, I would be upset at the fact that his vision would not have been completed had it, had they had this option and he would have been removed from finishing his story. And and I I wouldn't be upset at the people who made the decision because I think that they have you know, the right to feel that way. But I would I would be upset that this would be an option to not let see some sort of art come through or see some piece of art to the end. Yeah, I mean, I, like I understand being disappointed in that as a reader, but like I feel like you know. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the way that you've worded this in the past, Sean, but you've said the thing of the, this idea, right? That like, no one has the, like the right to make a living um, as, as a creator, right? Like that. It's not like you're just entitled to, uh, and I don't, I don't think I'm mincing your words, right? Like you've said that like, just because you put books out doesn't mean that you're entitled to, um, to be successful. That. Yeah. Um, and I think that while that extends to the quality of what you produce, that also extends to how you handle yourself in a professional capacity. Um, and if like, you know, you, uh, if, if you do something or act in a way that makes people not want to work with you anymore, like that's their right to, you know, that's not what, that's not what we're talking about. That's not the Brandon Graham. Situation. No, it is because like if, if image as a company decides that they don't want to work with him anymore because of how he's behaved in his personal life that's fine like i i don't see why that's a problem you know like we understand go- that you don't see it but we're expressing a different opinion and that's where the disconnect is like you, you we get it we get it that you don't see it you said it okay oh, well wow. then i get that you see it the other way like i'm just trying to have the dialogue of like why is it bad for him to go to another company and work there well, he wouldn't be able to because it's profit. It's image owned. It's it's specific. Yeah. Like, like like him, his removal would mean that it wouldn't exist. Yeah, I mean, yes. In the wise words of Pete, oh well. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I don't. I like. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> it's you I know, mean, like books, you don't, books have been canceled for less. Yeah, like I don't. True. I don't understand. Like you know, you're not entitled to. Why? Why? <laughs> I guess why? Why be? mad that your book was canceled but you're not mad that the dude is shitty i mean i can be mad at that too yeah i it it can be shitty that i enjoy a book from a shitty person but like yeah yeah i mean it seems like you're mad at like the idea that you know like the image could make the decision to not want to work with that person because of that so okay this one's controversial (laughs) oh this one uh, no, no, no. Sorry, this point is controversial. Is what I'm trying to get back to the root of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of 
what we're talking about. This one feels slippery. I think that this is like the easily the most, yeah, the most like complicated goal to see getting honored. Because I think most of these other things are just like requests for, you know, um, employees and like reasonable compensation and, and assistance to do your job e- efficiently. You know, like that's a completely reasonable. Um, I don't see how anyone could argue with with any of like the first what eight. Yeah, seven. Even if you want to argue, you know, like obviously there are some people who might not feel that way about eight. Um, but aren't the um don't the owners of Image there's like what five or six now? Don't they all have a say in what gets published? Um, so my understanding is that historically anyway, it gets complicated because there's like the main image banner and I don't understand how that gets decided because in terms of like the individual, you know, like your skybound is Kirkman and you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, I can't remember the other ones right now. Um, but anyway, right. Using that example, Robert Kirkman decides what gets published by skybound. And right. the other creator, the other founders don't have a say in that. Um, and I, I believe that's how that works across the line. Yeah, like, like uh, Eric Stevenson is the publisher. And so therefore he has whatever, maybe like ultimate say in what ends up happening. And I feel like uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Higgins and um, Jeremy Holt have mentioned on separate occasions, like being in communication with him you know, mm. for like books to sort of happen. Jeremy Holt, yeah. Yeah, so like I, I wonder if you know he had he's like the ultimate say for image books, or for like the general image line anyway yeah. versus one of the imprints. So all in all, this has the potential to be revolutionary for revolutionary for the comics industry. Um, I think it's a overall positive thing that they're trying to do this, and you know, we always hear about the creators and their side of things as far as, you know, the problems of comics, but we don't, we don't really hear too much from staffers ever, Mm. Um, or at least, you know, not as commonly. So what I've gotten out of this is on the image side of things, a better understanding of kind of what it's like to work there um, as a staffer. And I would hope that, you know, they do win out on, on, on this front and that there is a union that is respected um, because it could make waves in the industry in a way that sees these people having better experiences working in comics. Um, and, and, and that should be the case. You know, the, the industry feels like it's, and it's probably kind of always been this way, especially when you get past Marvel and DC, but I'm sure it's there too. Kind of like, just just run you know by the seat of our pants kind of like do whatever it takes to get these comics out and call it a day type of industry that's tough listening to what jess would go through on a day-to-day basis at titan was exactly like that Mm. there were meetings she'd go to everyone would get screamed at and then (laughs) they would go photoshop a bunch of shit together and hope the issues came from china the next day or whatever um, <laughs> that's so fucked up. <laughs> just the idea—the whole thing—is this ramshackle 
thing that's, that's it, careening that's, off course. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, I mean that's that's comics, I guess. Um, but I, I think to to build on on that last point um, from Sean in terms of not not only just like improving um, these workers' experiences, but like one of the things they're asking for is like more people to be hired. So that's like more jobs in the comics industry, which is a good thing, and also you know um, ideally right like better quality um, control because you have people being stretched stretched less than they can do a better job and that'll you know ultimately result in ideally right like a better run image and a better product for us on the uh the end if they can afford it if they can afford it that's a big piece yeah and and that's going to be the negotiation piece of this like once uh if and when they get recognized what is what do negotiations look like because that's going to be who knows how long of a a legal conversation yeah i mean probably like a long one you know Mm -hmm. yeah i would say it's probably unlikely that we really hear a lot more about this once it's once um whenever that vote happens and the uh, union is officially recognized as such we probably won't hear about this again for some time as Mm -hmm. the negotiations take place and things fall into effect but you have to ask yourself um, what this means for the rest of the industry, you know, the world is watching, right? Like, you know, that mm. everybody at Marvel, everybody at DC, all the way down to boom and dark horse and everything else, they're all looking at this and saying, well, you know, if this works, can we join? Do we start mm. our own? You know, yeah. what is, what has to happen there? And then, you know, the thing that to take it back to the beginning of the conversation, as we close out, um, how do creators find their way into something like this? Is it possible? I understand the, mm-hmm. the, um, the uh, uh, independent contractor aspect of this as a wrestling fan. This is something that gets talked about constantly because they can't unionize due to the fact that they are not actually employees of the WWE or whatever. And that sucks. So yeah. I, I'm really curious if there's a way for comics creators to benefit from something like this down the road. Um, I would love to see that. I read uh, earlier that um, Todd McFarlane actually tried to get a union going in the nineties at Marvel um, and Mm. failed. I think that was one of the things that was like right before the catalyst of them breaking off. Likely. Um, But to, to that, uh, that example, Sean, I I feel like we look at the screen actors guild, right? Like actors are, they work gig to gig. You know, and like they found a way to make it work. Um, I hope the same is possible for comic book creators because I think it it's important. I really do. Can can I ask a question before we close this out? Um, could um, you know the founders of Image or, or the people who are in charge of Image could they take action against these staffers for trying to start a union? Like, could this be you know? perceived as a slight against image and well fuck all of you sure right i mean could feel that way yeah i'm not sure what the legality is there i don't i don't think that you can like fire employees for trying to unionize but like you could right like mm-hmm. like legal like if if the, the folks can legally prove that that's why they were fired they might be able to sue image or something like that but i'm, I'm not sure on the intricacies of that um but yeah to 
uh, what Sean just said. Like, I mean, it could certainly be perceived that way by management and could, you know, lead to some hostility. But, um, you know, I, my hope is that it doesn't come to that, right? That negotiations yeah. can be entered and everybody can walk away in a situation where they all feel good about it, you know? The last thing I'll say about this is that, you know, I agree with the CBW that, um, and why do I feel like saying CW when I say that? Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree with them in the sense that the image, image comics as a company was founded um, because these creators felt like they weren't getting their fair share. Um, and they probably weren't. I don't think anyone here is going to dispute that. When you talk about a guy like Jim Lee and what he did for the X-Men, I'm not saying he wasn't compensated well, but did he, how much of a share of the million, you know, copies or whatever that X-Men number one sold, how much of that money did he receive commiserate to, you know, what he, uh, his involvement in that being such a success, right? So um, they should get it. And I think they should get it more than uh, anybody working in comics today. Um, you know, your, your, your Robert Kirkman's of the world, um, all of them should understand where these people are coming from. And so it would be very sad to hear of something like what Kale just referenced. I think yeah. so far I am choosing to give image the benefit of the doubt that they're working the process as it's supposed to be done. And that once that is resolved, they will be able to, to enter reasonable negotiations um, and not necessarily play hardball or do any of the crappy stuff that can be done that we've heard of in the past and stuff like that. I revere image. And I think everybody here does as probably the best comic book company, as far as how it treats its creators. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that um, lived into. I want, I want that belief in image to be lived into by them to prove that they are the, the standard of how workers should be treated in comics. Clearly, that's not the case right now based on the staffers. If that changes, then great. And, and, and you know, um, it'll, be, it'll be easy to talk positively about image as it already is, um, knowing that these changes were made and that the staffers are happy. Fingers crossed. Yeah. What do you think about this? Uh, we are not union experts, so if we said anything that didn't make any sense or was wrong, uh, feel free to write in and call us dumb. Uh, <laughs> get us... Uh, not, not even unionized between ourselves. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com or leave us a comment in the comment section of wherever it is you're listening to us. Follow, rating, review on all podcast hosting platforms, youtube.com slash thecomicspals to subscribe for free, like our videos, share them with your friends, and of course, drop us a comment. Uh, we appreciate all of that. Listen to our reviews of Image Comics every single Wednesday and everything else on Thursdays and check out our, our Eternals review which is out right now and as is our book club on neil gaiman and junior juniors eternals run pete plugs for a second when you said junior juniors i was like what book did we read called juniors juniors <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of the comics pals if you want to connect with me i'm at loud underscore pete on twitter and instagram um fight for your right for your labor 
uh, and go uh, check out my band and flipscreen.games where I do video game podcasts. My band's Long Friend, Time Friend. That's what we're called. That's important. Yes. We are also pro-union. <laughs> also not unionized. Interesting. Kill. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at killward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Marco. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Enomoto. I'm blanked out for a second. And uh, come talk to me about... I just finished a rewatch of Cowboy Bebop. I got to the last two episodes and I remembered how absolutely phenomenal they are. And I've... uh, Turn to the dark side now and come talk to me about all of your favorite etchy anime. I don't know what that word means and I don't want to find out. Don't Google it. <laughs> I have to. It's spelled E-C-C-H-I. Stop. Don't tell people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If they're responding in the comments, they know. They're men of culture. As for me, culture. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. Um... Hit me up with your Eternals takes because uh, I have a lot of those. You can hear them on our review. Go listen to that now. Leave this. Go to that. Just give us your whole day. You know We deserve it. <laughs> We're giving you ours. The least Indeed. you could do for once in your goddamn lives. All right. With that, we're the Cowards <laughs> Pals signing off. Take care, guys.